0: Welcome to Your Bright Recovery Podcast, where we celebrate your story of recovery and resilience. I'm your host, Caroline Baylor. Bobby Joe Reed is a person in long-term recovery with 26 years of continuous sobriety. She has provided safe transitional housing for nearly 10,000 individuals over the past 20 years. Her passion in life is to help those suffering with substance use disorders to find their purpose. Today, I'll be talking to Bobby Jo Reed about her experience and what it feels like to answer the call in recovery to serve others. She is the founder and CEO of Healing House in the historic Northeast Kansas City, Missouri. The ministry currently houses over 200 adults and 30 children. She has recently been featured in an award winning documentary film, Bobby Joe Under the Influence, and it was released on various streaming platforms in 2021. Her autobiography, Beautifully Broken, continues to bring others out of darkness and welcome home. Join me as we talk today with the famous Bobby Joe. Welcome. I am so excited to be talking with Bobby Joe Reed today. First off, will you tell me and my audience a little bit about what brought you into the journey of recovery? Well, I had been in
1: my addiction for 22 years. Uh, My dad passed away, and one month to the day, I ended up at a free detox downtown Kansas City, Missouri, and I've been sober and clean ever since that. I think, you know, he was always my hero, but we had not had a close relationship most of our life. And so uh, when he passed, just that I had hit lots of bottoms, but I think that just really hit me in a different place.
0: So kind of when you were struck by that and knowing you needed to get into recovery, what did that process start off looking like for you? Was there someone you connected with or did you go to treatment? What did that kind of initiation into recovery look like?
1: Yeah, so there was a treatment center right next door to the detox I was at. And um, so I applied to get into that. I almost didn't get in because um, I was on 33 pills a day at that time Mm. for post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, everything. And I had Crohn's disease. And so they ended up letting me in. I did the... uh, 30 day inpatient. But then I immediately that detox I went to didn't have hygiene products or anything. And it was like 18 bunk beds in one room. And Mm. so when I got out of treatment, I would bake things and take them to a flea market and sell them. And so once I got out of the treatment, I would go and sell my baked goods and buy like little hotel bars of soap. And little shampoos and little little hygiene products, really cheap. And I'd take those back to the detox. And I'd give them to the people in any homemade baked goods I had left. And I was 34. And I never thought I was worth anything up to that point. I thought, you know, I, I really don't have a purpose. I always had low self-esteem. And when I started taking those things down to the detox, I'm telling you, but at first I did it because it made me feel good. But then it just became the next right thing to do. And really servant, being a servant and helping people and, you know, with the fellowship and everything else has really service work has really defined my life. And it's filled me up all the missing places that were in me forever.
0: That's so beautiful. And I I connect so much with that experience because in my own addiction and mental health recovery when I was four months sober, I had an opportunity to be a mentor at an outpatient clinic and looking back I'm like, Oh my gosh, four months sober. I mean, I was just like a, a total mess, you know, I mean, just, and I had undiagnosed PTSD. And so I was just like dealing with all my traumas, like all of it. And I've told people since then that opportunity to give back, yes. I think changed my life. And so I'm personally passionate about extending that opportunity of service. It doesn't matter if you have like an hour in recovery, you know, we all can step into that place. So that is so beautiful. I love that. And the pictures of the little, you know, to go the little bottles, the shampoo and stuff. Sometimes it is just those basic neat, you know, basic things that can be so helpful. Um, I had a
1: girl tell me later that, um, my chocolate chip cookies saved her life and it saved my life too. And the story behind that is I sat on her bed, she was beat up in detox and I had a little bag of cookies I shared with her. And when she went back out in in her addiction and on the street, she said she was walking down the street early one morning, two, three in the morning, walking down the street. And uh, all she could hear was the, the lights humming, the street lights humming. And she thought, what on earth am I doing out here? And she remembered that nice lady that brought her chocolate, homemade chocolate chip cookie. And mm-hmm. she said, it hit her right then, I shouldn't be out here. I got better things. And so mm-hmm. she came back and she told everybody, she saved me with the chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> oh,
0: so you never know what's going to help somebody. That is that is so true. So yes. true. Well, it sounds like you're really passionate about helping other people. I want to get into it in a little bit about uh, healing house and kind of everything you've built through your work and your ministry in Kansas city. But you talk about, you know, your co you have some co-occurring issues in your own journey. I'm curious if you found through your work over the years, some of these issues that seem to keep popping up for women in or seeking recovery. Have you noticed some trends in some things that all women struggle with? Absolutely. It's uh,
1: I mean, just in the people we serve here, the people, uh, the women that have uh, come in our program, it's over 90% have been ve- victims of domestic violence, and over 90% have been uh, victims of sexual assault or rape. Wow. So it's significant. It kind of just pairs up with the addiction, it seems like. And we put ourselves in the circumstances sometime, or we don't have our guard up. And so I see that. Um, That's a a big one. And I, you know, when I started, there were 900 women going through treatment here in Kansas City. We're a fairly large city and 900 women going through inpatient. But when they got out of inpatient, there were only 30 beds, Hmm. 30 beds for 900 women. And I'm like, wait a minute, something's wrong. And I would see these ladies. I started carrying the message. Right after I got sober, I just started sharing. Anybody let me talk, jails, hospitals, detoxes, anywhere. And uh, I seen the great need. And that's really how I started it because I could see these women just coming in and out of the door and they didn't have access to the resources like the
0: guys did. And I, I've actually recently participated in a women's recovery roundtable, which I would love. Uh, for you to be involved next year in that okay. um, but that was actually one of the needs you know still out there is recovery housing specifically yes. for women and those statistics that you mentioned are just i mean that is staggering uh, to have nightmare. 90 90% yeah i mean it's and it's something that i think you know if you sit in a room full of women in a recovery space or in you know church basement or where, wherever and talk about recovery i've had that experience too where these same things keep popping up yes. so Because, you know, sexual trauma and violence, domestic violence are such huge issues. Can I ask, are there ways that you've found that have been helpful in supporting women? Um, And maybe, you know, share a little bit about what you're doing with Healing House and kind of how that evolved. Sure. Um,
1: Well, all of us ladies are pretty, pretty close. And we have, well, we have healing from domestic violence. Uh, We have that. You can have one-on-ones. So we have counselors available for people to uh, do a one-on-one. Then we also have groups. We also have uh, two college ladies that were in college and both got raped while they were in college. And now they have children and everything, but they started this beautiful ministry. And so they come and uh, talk to the ladies. It's like a two-hour session, and we do that once a month and then the one-on-one counseling, but I'm very, um, so we have men and women, of course, in different houses, but we do come together in community at times. And, uh, I'm very clear about not taking people. I have been through so much domestic violence in my life. I can pick up on an abuser like that. And Mm -hmm. so, if I get that fill from anybody, no violent crimes, no sexual crimes, no offenders like that can come in to our mm-hmm. houses because we have children here, too. And so right. we're trying to we're a community. We're a family. So um, and we just have great communication. And, you know, um, people feel safe sharing here and talking about that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, we heal sharing our stories and our truths and how we have overcame that, you know, it's really a sisterhood. I've got, you know, 90 some women here. And so, yeah, it's incredible.
0: Wow. So tell me a little bit more about what Healing House and of how that started. Um, I did watch a little bit of, kind of the clip. I can't wait to watch the full documentary um, that you were highlighted in and really it's all about you and your your story. Um yeah. so when did you kind of get this I don't know if it was a calling or kind of been were motivated to start healing house and kind of how did that happen and what does it look like now okay
1: well pretty early on in my recovery uh, I started having women's meetings at my house which I thought that was odd, because I really didn't even like women when I first got in recovery. (laughs) But uh, God has a sense of humor. And so I continued to see, there just wasn't a lot of places I had. uh, My dad died a month before I got sober. Three and a half years later, my mom passed away of ovarian cancer. And um, so I bought Uh, my brothers out on their portions of the house and I went over and fixed it up and that was my uh, time in the wilderness I had about I always even in recovery I tried to throw a man in there or something you know like we do Mm -hmm. to fill the void and so when I was out there my mom was a hoarder it took me three and a half years to clean her house out and get Mm -hmm. it beautiful I redid the whole thing and then all of a sudden I was driving back and forth from out in, way out in Kansas City, to Kansas back to Kansas City, Missouri, about a 25-minute drive every, almost every day, because I had lots of sponsees over here in Missouri, and uh, so the Lord, so I uh, fixed it up, and then it was like, God patted me on the back and said, great job, now sell it, move to the hood, and I'm like, pardon me, three and a half years of my life, <laughs> And he's like, yes. So I started driving around with a little notebook, putting down addresses. And there was an old abandoned nursing home and I kept gravitating to it. But the realtor's uh, number on the uh, sign was, her voicemail was full. So I couldn't ever leave a message. Well, Mm -hmm. I had some stocks coming in, stock market crashed. I had $50,000 coming in from that. And I cashed it in. And then one day I went to go look at a house right around the corner from the old nursing home and it was too high priced and once it wasn't set up right so when I went to my car I said Lord you know I'm impatient when you want me to have something Can you just drop it in my lap so now I turn the corner I'm on the side street of the nursing home and the real estate agent is walking up the stairs I'm like oh I gotta go so I run up I said it was awful too dark wood paneling doors were kicked in windows were broke out In the minute I walked, this was a 23 room house. The minute I walked into it, I knew it was a place. I knew as funky and as bad as it was, it was $50,000, the same amount I had coming in the mail in two days. So I got, so I got the house. And I sold my house out in the suburbs to redo everything. A lot of work to be done. And then the women just started coming because I'd been carrying the message to so many places. Mm -hmm. Um, Two months later, the dope man moved in next door, sold dope, ran prostitutes, brandished weapons, uh, brought female gang members from Chicago to try to scare me out of the house. I mean, lots of crazy, you have to watch a documentary. A uh, crazy woman with a machete out in my driveway, trying to pop the car tires. And I just claimed a hedge protection around me and the girls. And um, I claimed the house in the Lord's name. And a year and a half later, I got, we got the dope man's house. And mm. so, so we redid wow. that. The women just kept coming. And so currently, I know this is a shorter interview. Currently, we have 14 homes now that have been abandoned homes or drug homes that we've remodeled and now they're beautiful. And I used to wow. be able in this neighborhood, it was so bad when I got here, not three hours could pass without hearing gunshots, pimp, drug dealers, prostitutes all up and down our street and they're gone. And now oh. yeah, I've almost worked myself out of business because the lowest house <laughs> you can get in this area is 190 grand right now. Oh, and, my up,
0: goodness.
1: and I'm like, oh, okay. But uh, so we've done, redone lots of houses. We provide housing for uh, 200 folks every day, men and women, and then about 30 children on top of that. You know, I thought I was going to get the one home and help about 10 women learn to live a sober life, you know, and fellowship. and, And God had much bigger plans than that. Well, you can imagine with 14 homes.
0: I I can't imagine I've been involved working in women's recovery housing and no, I cannot imagine 14 houses of men and women. uh, You do incredible work and it's what a testimony to, I'm just thinking back to the little bottles of soap, you know, that you were delivering and the chocolate chip cookies that when we are good stewards, you know, and with the little that we have and are faithful to what God is calling us to a lot of times the Lord just reaps those blessings and continues to build. And I, I believe gives us more responsibility yes. and it's clear that you are now a steward of so many lives and so many homes and, and doing that incredibly well, just beautiful. And I'd encourage all of my listeners to check out the documentary award-winning documentary film, Bobby Joe under the influence. I'll definitely be sharing links to that. I also wanted to talk a little bit about your book, Beautifully Broken. Sounds like this is a memoir and I'm guessing uh, it's quite riveting. Um, I was, I'm definitely going to be getting a copy of, of your memoir. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe what the writing process was like for you? I know I've talked to a lot of women in recovery interested in writing their memoir um, and you know have done, I've done writing myself and I've found it to be a very cathartic healing process. I'm curious what that process was like for you. Well, I had some people hear my story, and actually, they came
1: to me with another couple and said, "Your story needs to be told, and we will hire a ghostwriter. And if you'll just take your time, and uh, we'll pay for the printing of the initial printing of the book." They did all that as a donation, and so I worked many hours with the ghostwriter and then she'd send me stuff I'd look it over and back and forth we'd go uh the book was done about seven years ago and um so a lot a lot happens uh around here so the documentary goes up to about a year and a half ago but Mm -hmm. since then we've got a We've got a strip mall where we're putting in businesses for job training for our people. Um, Seven businesses for just getting ready to open a spa and beauty salon because our women that go to Vandalia prison get their cosmetology degree when they're in there. But nobody's Mm going to hire them right out of prison with a Mm -hmm. cosmetology degree from there. So They're going to have their own spaces in this spa and beauty salon to build up their clientele and then get some work history and then go from there. I mean, we've got we opened a free gym. We have five hundred and eighty members to our free gym and that's open for all the community. We have 30 apartments. I mean, just every You know, God has not set me still the whole time. And my board of directors sometimes think I am a lunatic because I'm like, (laughs) God's telling me we need to do this next. And they're like, we don't have any money. And I'm like, but God does, you know, and he's really put on my heart. And so, um, yeah, we have 30 apartments and we need more. Here's the heartbreaking thing. We have, if you want it, we have. The best reputation of anywhere in the state. And our homes are beautiful. They they homey. You feel like you walked into grandma's house. And most people walk into our homes and feel like they can exhale for the first time in years sometimes. Mm-hmm. And people want to come here. And during the winter months, we turn up to a hundred people away a week. Oh a week. And it's it's let me tell you, it's easier on the phone than to have a grown man or a woman sitting across her desk crying and saying, I'm going to die if I can't get in. Mm-hmm. Just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. My puppy's having, hold on, she's having a nightmare. Murphy, Murphy, Murphy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you oh, said no. you could put that out. She's, she's crying in her nightmare. <laughs> oh, poor girl. But uh, it's just, you know, we operate as a family. We're, we have the Recovery Community Center in Kansas City. We were uh, one of four picked in the whole state a few years ago. So we have employment specialists. We have computer skills classes. We have daily groups from seven thirty in the morning till four thirty, and then again from six to eight. Hmm. We have. We all come together for dinner. We have game night. Any. Here's the thing. You go to inpatient treatment and you get the head knowledge about your disease, right? Mm-hmm. Here, nobody's fixed in 30 days. That's unrealistic. We do recovery support services, which means providing the housing, getting people social, you know, involved. We don't know what hobbies we have when we first get here. So mm-hmm. we have art therapy. We have uh, improv. It budgeting, anything that you could think of to prepare somebody to be successful in their life. We have that here. We have 50 employees and 46 are people that have came through our program.
0: Huh. That <laughs> is so beautiful. And it's You all are doing great. it. I mean, you all are doing it so well because you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like a lot of times people expect you go to addiction treatment, you go to inpatient intensive outpatient. And then all of a sudden you're cured. I know my family had that thought when I went to inpatient for the first time, Oh, you know, it was 10 days for me. Oh, now she's better, you know, and obviously that's not the case, but what's needed is these skill building, you know, vocational helping us find our purpose again, and really solidifying how to maintain a recovery. I, I just, I love what you're doing. I'm curious, do you work with national advocacy groups like Faces and Voices of Recovery or any groups like that, that kind of uh, have a collection or association of other recovery organizations across the country?
1: I've done some things with Faces and Voices of Recovery, uh, but not really Um, Mm close-knit. Yeah, we're the largest in the state of Missouri, for sure. And, uh, you know, I just don't know where this Journey goes. Here's what I do know is that people need. I have. I got my first tattoo at 60 years old, and it's on my forearm, and it says "Welcome home, baby." I lost my best friend, and and she came in my program nine months after I started. Her name was Judy, and she became my partner in ministry. And so I've got that on that forearm. And my other little saying is "God loves you, and so do I." And I think I might get that on the other forearm. Because here's what happens. When people get here, I don't care where they come from. When they get here, I give them a big hug and I tell them, welcome home. And I'm telling you what, they really feel like they finally came home to a family that's going to love them. A A lot of us haven't been loved for a very long time. We've been so sick. We don't even know how to be honest. So each house has a house mom or house dad. So they have somebody around them 24 hours a day. Let, I'll tell you a quick story. I lived with the girls for 12 years, right, in the main house. And so I'm still on a four-hour sleep schedule after 10 years being away from there. But this is an example of my life. I'd be in the bathtub taking a bath. One of the girls would come in, sit on the toilet, and start talking at me. And I'd say, honey, I'm taking a bath. You know, they'd say, oh, you're not bothering me because you know when we first get here we're pretty self-centered still and we think the world is revolving around us so it takes lots of patience and prayer to help Mm -hmm. people get through that initial you know when they come in and it's different to have rules you know it's Mm -hmm. different to change my whole lifestyle. But I tell you what, I'm the luckiest girl in
0: the world because I get to live around miracles every single day.
1: Mm.
0: What a, what a beautiful story. And I love that talk about boundaries, you know, but (laughs) she's concerned about, you know, you know, you're not bothering me. Um, Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly amazing to hear about your story. Your book, Beautifully Broken, sounds like a lot has happened since then, but I'm sure still a a wonderful resource. So for my listeners out there, some of whom may be struggling today, seeking recovery, maybe they're just starting their journey. What would you tell that person, that woman out there who's questioning maybe her purpose or her next steps for her journey? I would say that um,
1: well, if you read the book or see the documentary, you will know that I was the lowest of the low. At my lowest point, I was living under a truck box car parked next to a liquor store and was a wet brain. And I couldn't even communicate with people. And I became an it. So I'm telling you, if somebody that is that low in their life can be brought back out of that. And I didn't even recognize God at first. If he can bring me out of that, he can bring anybody. And there is hope. As long as there's breath in our lungs, There is hope for each and every one of us. We just got to take some action. We can't sit there on the couch and keep drinking, thinking it's going to happen by osmosis. We have to say, okay, I'm willing to do something that maybe is a little uncomfortable for me right now. And I know alcoholics, we're scared to death to detox because we get violently ill. So get yourself in a detox. I want to tell people there's free detoxes in your community. There are free treatments I know in Missouri, we have free treatment centers. There is help out there. You don't have to go to a bigfalutin $50,000 treatment center. Just mm-hmm. start somewhere. If you don't have those resources in your community, find out where recovery meetings are and go there. Uh, listen and see if you hear somebody that would be a sponsor for you and help you work through the steps. Um, and, you know, if you don't believe yet, believe that I believe. Because uh, my life has
0: totally been transformed. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that will be helpful for for someone listening today. And lastly, if someone would like to get involved in Healing House, help support your ministry, how can they do that? Our website is
1: Healing House, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, House, H-O-U-S-E, HealingHouse.kc.org. I'm sorry, I had a senior moment. So HealingHouseKC.org is our website. Our phone number is 816-920-7181. And if somebody wants to apply, we take people from everywhere. They can get on our website and it says, I think the link says join us and they can fill out an application and we'll call
0: them back. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much. I so appreciate your time today. Thank you. It was great. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, I've got some great free resources and tools to guide your recovery journey at brightstoryshine.com.